KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. ProPublica, the nonprofit investigative journalism outlet, has released a series of articles based on a treasure trove of tax records they came into possession of. These records are focused on the wealthiest people in American society and reveal just how little they actually pay in personal taxes. We wanted to dig into this. We wanted to talk about whether the problem is with the players or with the game. So we caught up with Dr. Stephen Balsam. He is a professor of accounting at Temple University's Fox School of Business. Give a listen. So kind of give me your overall thoughts on this report about the, the top 25 wealthiest individuals and how little they pay in taxes. Well, Matt, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, and it doesn't surprise me because for the last four years, we've been hearing and reading about our former president's taxes and how little he paid. So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. But I think we should talk about, like, for example, why this matters. Okay, to some extent, our tax system is voluntary. Okay, the IRS depends on us voluntarily complying with it. Uh, They don't have enough agents to send somebody out to to go after you or I to get us to to pay our taxes. Okay, so they depend on voluntary compliance. You know, you or I, and again, I'm not surprised by this. I'm not sure if you were, but there are a lot of people out there who are reading this and saying, it's not fair. And, you know, I'm not going to argue with them. It's not fair. You know, if Jeff Bezos can claim a child tax credit and I can't, that's not fair. Okay. But, you know, I will get into it. I don't think the 25 individuals, when they didn't mention all 25 by name, I don't think the individuals cited in the report are to blame. Okay, the problem is much bigger than 25 individuals or even 2,500 individuals. We have a tax system that I just describe as a monstrosity. Okay, you know, a number of years ago, I was teaching the course. And the textbook that I used said that there were 8,000 pages of tax law uh, between the Internal Revenue Code, the Treasury regulations, and court cases, all of which established tax law. And, you know, one of my punchlines was, of those 8,000 pages, none of it is in plain English. Okay, so there's very little that the average person could actually understand there. Now, luckily, most of it doesn't affect you and I. Okay, but the truth of the matter is the tax code is so complicated that I cannot do a tax return without software, without computer software. In the absence of, say, TurboTax, which is what I use personally, I don't know what I would do. Maybe I'd still be, maybe I'd be on extension and still working on my tax return. And my tax return is fairly simple. I am a wage earner, so I get a W-2. I have some interest in dividends. I get my statements from the bank and Vanguard. And I don't itemize. So that's a fairly simple return. And yet, I need software to prepare that return. Yours may be a little bit more complicated. I don't know. but And I don't know if you do it yourself or if you have somebody do it for you. It's a very complicated system. 
the people to blame are actually the lawmakers that set it up this way. And one of the reasons is you and I might think of the tax system as a way to fund our federal government, pay for the military, pay for uh, the oper- you know the operations of the federal government. But over the years, it's become much more than that. It is a tool for what we call, or for, for what I call, social engineering. Okay, and social engineering is, you know, when the tax code encourages some worthy behavior. Okay, but in doing so, it provides deductions, credits, etc., that other people will now question and say, "What is going on?" Okay, so let me give you some examples. The most common deduction uh, that people are familiar with is that for mortgage interest. Okay, and that is put in the tax code to encourage home ownership. Hopefully, that sounds good so far, and I don't think anybody could complain about, you know, a tax provision that encourages home ownership. The only problem is you only get that deduction if you itemize, and. Very few people itemize, especially after TCJA 2017. So the benefits and the cost, which run into last I heard it was like $70 billion a year across the federal government, are obtained by very few, um, maybe 10% of the populace, maybe. Another provision put in there to encourage you know, socially beneficial behavior is the charitable deduction, okay? A deduction for charitable contributions. Normally, that too is only available for itemizers. But as part of the COVID stimulus packages, and I don't know which one, for 2020, 2020 tax year, there was an above the line $300 deduction, maximum $300 deduction for cash contributions. For 2021, it's going up to 600 for a married couple. It's a expiring provision. And we go back to 2022, it'll only be, unless they change the tax code, which anything's possible, it will only be available to people who itemize. So again, very few people. And again, it is, you know, who could argue with the charitable deduction? Okay, we want to provide you know, worthy charities, worthy charities with with contributions. We want them to do good. We want Meals on Wheels to deliver their meals. We want Habitat for Humanity to uh, build their houses. We want the American Cancer Society to be able to do its research. Okay, we want all these things. So it's not bad, but these things, the tax code is riddled with these things. And sometimes they're not as obviously beneficial. Uh, Now, one more thing I I need to go on. One more thing about the charitable deduction, okay? There is a provision, I noticed it in one of the ProPublica pieces mentioned it, uh, and it's not that I wasn't aware of it. So if you have a capital asset, say a share of stock in say Tesla uh, that has appreciated in value, if you were to sell that stock, you would have to pay a capital gain, a tax on the increase in value from when you bought it to when you sold it. If you donate it to a qualified charity, 
you can deduct the full current value and never recognize the income, uh, the appreciated appreciation and value on your tax return. Okay, again, it's it's a good thing. You want these people to donate their money. And a lot of the people on the list, actually, well, I mean, the people on the list have given to charity large amounts in varying degrees. Okay, some of them have pledged to give away all their wealth. Uh, but And this is encouraged by the tax code. But it, it partially contributes to what we observe. Okay, and one more example, I just want to go into the corporate arena. Okay, a number of years ago, I noticed some articles talking about certain corporations, and I don't want to mention names, uh, that didn't pay any federal income tax. And now the article, because it was in the Wall Street Journal, so it wasn't in a, well, it wasn't in an attack mode. It was explaining that the reason that these corporations paid zero taxes is because they were in the business of manufacturing appliances. And they were given a credit for each, what do they call it, each energy efficient appliance, which wound up, not only did they not pay taxes those years, but they had a huge carry forward so that they wouldn't pay taxes for a number of years going forward. Again, a valid, you know, target okay we know climate change exists we we want to stop it we want to do everything we can to stop it so giving out these credits to encourage energy efficient appliances is a good thing when you look at the tax code or when you look at the outcome you wonder why this huge multinational corporation with hundreds of millions of dollars of profits is not paying any federal tax and one of the things in all these, you know, people read these stories, they hear these anecdotes of very wealthy people. None of this is illegal. This is all just utilizing tools that are available now, maybe not available to you and me, but that are available to these high earners uh, when it comes to filing their taxes, correct? That is correct. Uh, and maybe a little background or a little discussion just about the difference between tax avoidance and tax evasion. Tax avoidance is something that you or I would do if we had the opportunity. And it does seem to, you know, it, it, tax avoidance is more, well, it's more available to people who have investments, who have large investments, so they can time when they recognize their gains and losses, or they can, they could donate their appreciated stock and they could structure, you know, their business transactions if they have a business. So, the ProPublica piece, it was, you know, for someone like me who'd want to know the details, it was very vague. But it did talk about one of the, you know, it did give a name. I don't want to repeat the name. He had $46 million in income from interest and dividends that year. And he was able to offset it from losses from his other businesses and investments. That's the kind of thing that you and I can't do. Okay, because... We don't have these businesses that we can, you know, structure the transaction so we have losses. Okay, so that's avoidance and it's legal. And I have to assume, and ProPublica didn't, you know, didn't even hint at anything otherwise, that this is all legal. In fact, I think they mentioned it in the article, in one of their articles, it was a series of them, that this is legal. These are very rich, wealthy people. 
They have access to the best tax lawyers and accountants. There may be some gray areas, but by and large, I'm sure everything they've done is legal. Now, tax evasion, that is illegal, unlawful. Okay, and that might be, which you know, we know the federal government is looking into it now, the Department of Justice, the Manhattan DA. Uh, they're looking into some transactions of a certain person who'll go unnamed, including among other things, the inflation of a deduction. So that's illegal. But in this case, we don't have any accusations that anything is illegal for these 25 people. How corrosive is this on a society when people are doing this, once again, not breaking any laws or any rules, uh, but pushing the system to the hilt? Um, and somebody that makes 40 grand uh, is paying a higher tax rate, a higher percentage than someone who owns a multinational company. I mean, that just we've been kind of taught on this when it comes to taxing rich people, you know, it's just about paying their fair share. And, you know, it's not a fair share. And that's kind of corrosive on a society, no? It does have a negative effect on society. Yeah. I mean, whoever read this article, well, 90% of the people who read this article probably came away angry. And I don't blame them. Okay, it is corrosive. And it and when you say corrosive, it can actually lead to consequences down the line. So again, you and that, well, I'm on a W-2. There is very little I can do. Okay, but a person who runs a business might say, you know, if these guys can do it, maybe I can do something. Maybe it's legal, may, maybe it's tax avoidance, maybe it's tax evasion. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of the term, the underground economy does exist. There are people who work off the books. Uh, There are transactions conducted off the books. When people see the rich avoiding, avoiding what other people think is their fair share, they do get angry, they get upset, and they're probably more likely to do it themselves. When it comes to trying to, I don't know if corrects the word, because I think that's too lofty a goal and once again if you're not really doing anything wrong other than playing by the rules of the game that should be corrected but to address this what would you say because it seems to me we've got a, a system that the very wealthy can work to their advantage to the hill but then also we've heard story after story of the irs being gutted so you mentioned gray areas Uh, the government doesn't really have the firepower to go head-to-head against someone who can hire the best tax lawyers to, if not prove their case, stonewall them to the point where it becomes counterproductive. So how do we address this? Well, I mean, you can address it under multiple tracks. Uh, One is, I have heard, I don't know if it's a law yet, but the current administration has proposed a major increase in funding for the IRS that will help the situation. You still might have, you know, a billionaire who's got these high-powered attorneys, uh, tax lawyers who are being paid $1,000 an hour, who may be able to overwhelm the IRS. I mean, the IRS can't, is probably prohibited from, you know, paying their attorneys that much. Uh, they're, you know, so it can help 
but it won't resolve the issue. I think a more fundamental issue is the tax code. And that solution has to come from our lawmakers. You know, our tax code is, you know, we are a young country. You know, we're 250 years old or not, not quite. Our tax code is even younger. Okay. It dates back to 1913, the passage of the 16th Amendment uh, that allowed an income tax. There, maybe there needs to be a special commission, but we know that's never going to happen, at least these days, where, where Congress or experts go through the tax code and try to simplify it, to look in the nooks and crannies and see what people have stuck in there. These little provisions that get, sl- that get slid into a thousand page omnibus, omnibus tax act that the, you know, the 435 Congress people and the 100 senators did not even realize they were voting for because they don't read the thousand page bills. And just like the tax code, those thousand page bills are not in plain English. So, I mean, the solution has to start in Congress. What they talk about, what the administration's talking about, it's not even a, you know, where they talk about increasing tax rates or creating a minimum tax. It's not even a band-aid. It's pure politics. Okay, as ProPublica did point out in their in their in one of their articles, increasing the tax rate from 37% the 39.6% doesn't do anything if, you know, if billionaire A has no income that year. You know, 39.6% of zero is still zero. Okay, and this talk about a minimum tax, we have a minimum tax. It was enacted, I think, around 69.70. Okay, and it was enacted in response to a scandal back then where the IRS reported somehow that X number of millionaires didn't pay tax that year. And, you know, there was an uproar, there was outrage, and they stuck in this alternative minimum tax. Okay, obviously it didn't work, or it didn't work for these guys, or it didn't work to get these guys to pay their quote unquote fair share, because if they paid the minimum tax, they wouldn't be paying zero those years. Remember, there's a, there was one, one individual two years paid zero income tax, another individual one year paid zero income tax. And again, these are billionaires. Okay, so the alternative minimum tax didn't work. Actually, what the alternative minimum tax does, and what every tax does, and what every tax increase does, so these guys are the 0.00. so not the 1%, but a fraction of the 1%. They tend to skate by, okay? The people who are hit are the high income wage earners. And again, it's always the wage earners, the people who got W-2s, because they pay the taxes. So yeah, on average, on average, if you look at the IRS statistics, on average, as incomes go up, the tax rate goes up. So on average, it looks like we're doing fine, but it's the extreme. So, and people like me, people like you, we pay those taxes, but it's the rich who don't. A lot of CEOs of these huge companies 
get lauded because they don't take a salary or they take a one dollar salary and lots of think pieces are written about how good this is but you know i'm incredibly cynical so but if you want to say there's a well they don't need the money but it, it also helps in these situations where they can claim well i didn't make any i didn't make any income this year so you know what can i do i mean that part is true i mean presumably i mean that's totally a separate issue. And again, a lot of the times it's done for politics, political reasons. Uh, So a company is losing money, a company is laying off workers. So the CEO in sympathy uh, to show that they're suffering as well, will take a dollar uh, salary. Uh, What is usually combined with that? So yeah, they won't pay taxes. They've got no income that year. Again, that's okay with the tax code and that's legal. Uh, But what they will do, and again, this is a totally separate issue from taxes, now we're getting into executive comp, is that they will take these mega stock option grants or these mega share grants. Okay, that could five, 10 years down the line yield them 500 million or a billion dollars. But I think that's a separate issue, another podcast perhaps, but a separate issue. One of the things when this first hit, there was anger over, you know, people that have this type of wealth not paying, you know, you mentioned sometimes nothing in federal income tax, but there was also a furor over the the leak itself. We don't know where the tax documents came from the ProPublica got or how they got them or who presented them. What is your level of concern about privacy and documents like this being leaked? You know, unfortunately, with all of the hacks that we've had recently, uh, I am concerned, and we don't know if it was a hacker or a disgruntled IRS employee. Uh, Those are the two choices, basically. In this environment, I trust, not I trust, I just assume that my information is out there. For other people, you know, I'm just, that's an assumption that I make because I have credit cards, I shop at Target. It's, you know, Amazon, et cetera, and everybody's been hacked. The IRS, and it was mentioned in the uh, one of the ProPublica pieces that the IRS says they were unaffected by no taxpayer data was compromised by the, was it solar winds? I think it was, you know, the thing is, that's what they know. It could have been compromised and they don't know it. Uh, And maybe this is from that hack. I don't know. But again, it does, it makes, you know, taxpayers, it makes everyone concerned about their data. Okay. If, you know, if some IRS, if whether it's a hack or an IRS employee, if somebody's got access to this data and is using it inappropriately, and yeah, unfortunately, according to the law, it is inappropriate to share, but not inappropriate, it's unlawful to share with ProPublica. Uh, and there are criminal investigations into this now. Why couldn't they do it to me? I mean, maybe somebody's listening to this podcast, doesn't like what I'm saying, and decides to post my information on the internet. It is, you know, again, cybersecurity, it's a separate issue, but it is scary. And on this topic, I will give you and anybody who's listening some tax advice, which is not really tax advice. Uh, the IRS will give you an identity protection pin. Okay, so I advise you and anybody who's listening to go to the IRS website, type in identity protection pin and apply for one. And you get one, once you do so, you have to apply every year, you get one every year. 
And the benefit of it is somebody who has maybe scraped some from some of your information off of the internet cannot file a tax return on your behalf, cannot do tax-related identity fraud because they won't have this pin. Okay. And that is, I mean, that's what I I have one. Each member of my family has one. And I advise everyone that I speak to to get one. So the attention that ProPublica has shined on this, the outrage it has generated. You mentioned the Biden administration pushing to beef up the IRS. Do you think we will see real movement in this arena to maybe level the playing field? Or do you think it will be a lot of talk? And given the fact that uh, we just passed a huge tax cut for what amounted to the wealthiest and whatever it was, 2017, uh, do you think we'll see a lot of talk, but not really much action that will move the needle? Well, you know, I would, I gotta make a couple points. I would be surprised if we saw some real action. I would be surprised. And with respect to the 2017 tax cut, which I'm not going to say I'm a fan of, uh, I think it created other loopholes, so to speak, big loopholes, uh, which almost every tax bill does. But notice that the ProPublica, the years in the ProPublica article, most of them predated 2017. So they were these guys who didn't pay taxes. Many of the years were before 2017, so they had nothing to do with that act. So I am, I'm pessimistic that things will change. Pessimistic. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.